The book dream inside you cannot wait. Never before have so many people questioned, what do I really want to be doing? For a lot of us, that means writing a book. Long deferred dreams, pandemic pause, and the solitude to make them happen means the time is now. The mechanics of book writing can seem mysterious, but they can be broken down, as can the logistical minefield of getting published. You need skills of the craft, but also practical advice from experts who've navigated the path. What's the arc to becoming an author? The value and peril of agenting, conducive editors, the formats to publish and ways to promote. We'll speak with writers, agents, editors, teachers, coaches, publicists, publishers, resources, and guides to navigate the way for those of us brave enough to bring our story to life. Drop in to your book dream and begin to make it real. And now, here's your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to Dropping In, everyone. Although there's a lot of strife in the world, and it seems we have little power over it, our obligation is to exercise the power we do have. How can we control events in our own lives? Everyone wants to get ahead and to stand out. Social media creates the impression that there are hundreds, if not millions of people out there with the same qualifications, talents, and goals as us. Not true. And if you're a book author, there are a couple thousand titles being published each day, so the field feels even more dense. How to sort through all the pages, who will read, digest, review, let alone promote the strong books that would otherwise get lost and create a strategic campaign for their success. Our guest today does just that at Books Forward, Elise Wagner, campaign strategist. Welcome, Elise. Great to have you with us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to get to chat with you today. Well, we are too. So first, our listeners and I want to understand, um, please walk us through the process of what you do. When a book or manuscript comes through the door, uh, at what stage do you ideally begin to develop a campaign? What are some of the things that you consider? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a great question. Um, you know, typically, and I know this is something that's a misconception for a lot of authors is the lead time, um, you know, for media pitching and things like that. So um, currently, we're starting to schedule campaigns for 2023, which I know um, astounds some people because it's 2022. It's just the beginning. Um, but really, we, we do plan these things so far in advance because of the lead time that the media would need. So a lot of the times authors will come to me and we get the manuscript and assess what stage the manuscript's in, um, you know, so that we know, you know, if it's ready to go into that um, publicity stage or if it needs more time um, and more nurture there. So um, we take a look at the manuscript and see, you know, where they're at. And then, you know, we plan that publicity campaign around the author and their needs and their goals as an author and um, for their branding particularly. But typically we'd start about five to six months out from launch um, just to give us that lead time necessary for some of those media contacts and um, things like that. Well, it's really, I think it is important for people to understand. And clearly, um, the fact that Books Forward, when I interviewed uh, publicity companies and Books Forward, we spend so much time writing it and our whole hearts in it. And then we find out through the question and answer interviewing uh, <laughs> different companies that they haven't read our book and they're asking us what it's about. So right down, you know, out of the gate, you've laid down what's the most, I think, essential issue, and that is reading the manuscript. And as you say, deciding where it is in the process, does it need further editing? Um, and I think that that's, um, that's, really, that's really the essential ingredient is tailor-making um, a bespoke uh, campaign. You, you've said on TikTok that you read a couple hundred books a year and that you don't remember the plot or necessarily character names or the whodunit. Um, and, and that's understandable given 200 books per year. <laughs> but, but you do talk about how a book makes you feel. Um, and I wondered what you're looking for there. Is it, you know, is it different with each book? Is it an inspiration? Is it resonance? What kind of things are you looking for when you're reading a manuscript? Yeah, I think, you know, that, um, especially in COVID times, I think it's more prevalent now than ever to, to just feel connected to someone or something. And so if it's a memoir, feeling connected 
um, to the to the writer because this is their story or feeling connected to a character. Um, and that doesn't mean it has to be, you know, something that's nonfiction. I mean, we can be connected to fantasy characters, you know, sci-fi millions of years from now, but there are certain um, elements to being human and relatability that I do think are, are essential. And again, I say human, it, it could be a cyborg. I don't know, depending on the genre. Um, but really there's just this universal feeling. Um, and I think that is so, so important. Um, and just feeling, you know, at a publicity firm, I think you, you have to think when you get something of how could I passionately represent this to someone else? And if I was talking to my best friend, or family member, what would I say about this book and how would I get them to consider reading it? And if you can't do that, then I think that, you know, says something. And, and so when we are really looking at, at books, we want to make sure that, you know, right out the gate, we have ideas, we have things that we can really go off of. And, and it's something that I really love about Books Forward is just really thinking of things through very strategically from that first, you know, initial read through, because you just want to make sure that it's something you can passionately represent. I think that's so important. And, you know, in an industry that does have so much noise and 3 million books a year and all of that good stuff, you want to make sure that you can genuinely make an impact and make a dent in that, um, you know, in the media field and, and really, you know, passionately get something out there. It is absolutely essential, and you have a blog called At Compulsive Readers Blog, um, and that's also, I think, a, a sort of a maybe um, a gateway to to books that might arrive at Books Forward. Um, and I wondered, you know, when you're speaking about connectivity, and, and maybe that does suggest characters, as you say, it could be a cyborg, it has nothing to do, um, <laughs> it has to do with the compelling pull, right, of the character. I wondered on the reader side, um, you know, there's a lot of trust then put in you as a compulsive reader. Um, there's a lot of trust then that you are going to be reading for the way the public is going to receive the book as well. So I wondered what you thought some of the qualities are for a reliable reader. You know, is it objectivity? Is it subjectivity? Is it, you know, the, who are you reading for when you're reading the manuscript? Are you thinking simultaneously oh, about absolutely. yourself and the public? Yeah. How, how does that work? Yeah. And I think that is something that I think is very unique. I see a lot of people you know, book reviewers and things like that, that will shred a book apart because it was a genre that they don't typically read. And I don't do that, right? Because I'm reading things not from the per- the perspective of, did I, as a reader, enjoy this in the sense of, you know, was this a genre that I enjoy? Was this something, um, you know, that I personally connected with? But I have to read it from the perspective of, would someone, if not me, connect with this? It doesn't have to be about me um, because there are genres that I don't, you know, necessarily feel that much of a pull towards and there's genres that I absolutely devour. Um, so I have to read it with that objective mind of, you know, maybe this wasn't my genre, but who would be the audience who would enjoy this? What is the target audience? Um, because that is so important. And there are plenty of books that I've read where it, it maybe isn't for me, but it's somebody else's cup of tea and they absolutely enjoyed it. It was, you know, the best book they've ever read. And so you have to look at books in that way um, and really looking at who the target audience is. And I think that's something um, I, I hope that makes, you know, my blog stand out to, to reviewers and, and publishers and things like that um, is the objectivity because a lot of reviewers are very much more um, cutthroat, <laughs> so to speak, mm-hmm. um, because they're really looking at just themselves. And I think Books Forward has given me that holistic approach. And it's something that I, I love, especially because I think in some ways I've been introduced to a lot of books that maybe I wouldn't have been introduced to because it wasn't my typical genre, but getting to read it through Books Forward or through the manuscript process, I'm like, wait a minute, this actually might be something that I really enjoy. And it hits me at a different time in my life where maybe I'm more open to it. Um, with the pandemic, I've been much more open to reading fantasy than ever before. I've been a strict literary fiction reality check person and then you know the pandemic happens and I needed to get outside of myself and I think you know fantasy really was was an escape for me so it really just changes as you know you change 
Absolutely. I I honestly agree. I've certainly enjoyed reading JL's books. There's a lot of fantasy characters, heroes, heroines um, who, who spring out of the page and just give you courage at a time like this. And some of us feel a little, you know, we're, we're flagging at certain certain points of the day, just, you know, listening to the news. So, um, and I think the other thing that's great, Elise, about what you're saying is it's going to dispel this myth that authors have of wanting to fit themselves into a genre that they find desirable or have been told is desirable in the publishing marketplace, right? So, the, re- the responsibility or the onus on the writer is more at this qualitative level not at this categorical level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, right? You're, you're looking at something that has uh, more depth, more dimension um, for the reader, no matter where it's coming from in the so-called uh, categories of, uh, of publishing. And those are changing all the time, too. You should see the hybrid it used to be right. It used to be, you know, memoir. Now there's a creative, there's a creative fiction memoir. There's, you know, there are a lot of hybrids um, coming, yes. up, coming about, right? And and you can hardly keep up with those. Um, and I wonder even how important it is to make those tags and labels. Is it important when you're branding the book? Oh yeah, I think it's super important. And I think now more than ever, it makes sense to. Um, be more, um, be less broad, be more specific. And I know sometimes authors can feel like that pigeonholes them, but I think that it also brings their target audience to like a bit closer. So, you know, if you have just a book that's generic fiction listed on Amazon, um, you know, there's so much fiction on Amazon, but there's not as much, um, you know, niche fiction. So is it Southern fiction? Is it women's fiction? You know, different aspects of the genre that you can really hone in on, I think are really important, not not just for Amazon rankings and things like that, but in general to really hone in on that target audience and really be specific about who you're looking to read your book. Um, so I think that can be really great. And I think that the overlap of genre is really great right now too. Um, I think that there's so much there. And I think there are a lot of voracious readers like myself who always are going outside of the scope of one genre. I, I, I read everything under the sun. Um, and so I think it's important to see, you know, where are those different pieces? Where's that intersection? It's really interesting, too, that um, these cross genres, I mean, I find myself reading things, you know, you, you read a couple hundred books. I read 110 for this show. And I, I, f- I found myself being drawn to also setting. If there's a place that's very compelling, the deep woods of Maine or, you know, the Pacific Northwest, areas that I don't know very well, but have strong characteristics and also give you a whole lot of challenge and opposition, you know, if you're trying to get through the woods or survive in the woods or, you know, be out in nature, um, in the elements. I wonder if there's other, you know, we're much more aware of nature as a force. And um, I wonder if there's also a sense of that coming into play. Like when you're reading books, do do you also notice that more? Oh, absolutely. And again, I think with COVID, you know, setting is so important and wanting to be transported someplace. I read, you know, I I love Italy as a country and I was supposed to go abroad in 2020. And unfortunately that was canceled, but I, I read so many books that took place, you know, on the Amalfi Coast or in Rome and all of that. And it just was so fun for me to get to travel if you know, not physically, at least in my mind. Um, and, and in general, if an author can create some sort of authentic landscape, I think that really draws in readers, especially now. Calling Stanley Tucci, um, because <laughs> the whole discovering Italy and his book, I just, I, I agree with you completely. If you could get transported out of your domain, you are, you know, you are feeling just liberated in a certain way. Uh, it's very freeing. We have a couple minutes until um, we need to take a commercial break. You know, I, I, I'm glad that we're moving away from, um, let's say, trends that would confine an author, maybe towards ideas of opening up new definitions for authors. Do you think there are important trends in the way people consume content about books? 
the role of social media, the role of blogs, and how is that shifting? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I know that the Instagram slash, you know, what I refer to as the bookstagram community is one that is quite strong um, and is a great way to get books out there. There's, you know, thousands of people, um, you know, who read and who are blogging on there um, about books and things like that. That's where I'm active. And I know, too, a lot of my followers aren't even other bookstagrammers. It's people, you know, who live down the street from me who just want a book recommendation. I had somebody from my high school who reached out to me yesterday and said, I just want you to know I go to the library and check out the books that you put out there because I need something to read. So it might not be people that you think are, you know, voracious readers just like you, but people, you know, who every day are just thinking, hmm, that looks good. And people in your life who support you, who follow you there. So, uh, it's a lot of different people and a big mix um, that's present on there. And I think that visual coverage is really essential for books. Um, I also think that TikTok, as much as, um, you know, I, I personally, I'm, I'm working on it, right? I'm working on it, but it's hard because I'm so used to staging photos and, um, you know, being able to write what I'm feeling about a book. And now I have to communicate that visually. I have to communicate that. Um, I have to speak. I have to talk. I have to show my passion about a book in, you know, 60 seconds or less, and I have to be present for it. I can't just rely on, you know, posting a photo of it anymore. And so I think that is a medium that is really starting to take off. And I, I do think that there's a beauty in it, right? And I think that I'm somebody, at least, who's very enthusiastic. So I hope that in doing, you know, videos and things like that, I can show that enthusiasm for a a book much more than I can tell you about it in writing. And I think other, you know, individuals and bloggers and things like that are finding that as well. However, for some of the introverts, it might be harder um, because they maybe don't want to be as front facing. So um, it, it can be a difficult trend to follow, but I do think that we are moving into that space of, of the video and, and of having the books, you know, physically present in your hand, talking about what worked, what you liked, that sort of thing. You know, it also points to why a publicity company is an important agent to have in your team because, you know, some of us are introverted if we're writers, we're spending (laughs) time in solitary um, and, you know, in solitude, not solitary, confinement, solitude, (laughs) and and not all of us are equipped, right, to deliver the enthusiasm that you are about books. We're speaking with Elise Wagner of Books Forward. It's a really interesting component of the composite landscape of book publishing today. We are going to pause for a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Elise some more about going local and going global. Don't go away. We'll be right back on Dropping In. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. The aim is to serve writers who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to Diane at DianeDewey.com. That's Diane at DianeDewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Elise Wagner, campaign strategist at Books Forward. Elise helps authors determine the most effective promotional path for their book releases and for crafting their brand. 
Prior to joining Books Forward team, Elise worked as a content strategist in the nonprofit sector. She is also a seasoned book blogger and a social media influencer, amassing a following of more than 10,000 avid readers who value her savvy book recommendations. She was even a trusted reviewer for Books Forward authors and championed the company's talented writers before joining the Books Forward family. Dreams really do come true, and she landed the job with Books Forward, turning her passion into a full-time career. Elise lives in Dayton, Ohio, with her husband, Nick, and their yellow lab, Murphy. I think that's probably a good companion for all your reading, (laughs) right, Elise? He is the best. He is the laziest dog you'll ever meet, which is perfect for someone like me. And when he's not feeling lazy, we switch to audio. We switch to audiobooks. <laughs> That's what I wondered. I wondered if you consumed, you know, content yourself in different formats, ebooks, audiobooks. What's your preference? Yeah, I prefer the physical copies, um, especially like advanced reader copies. If I can, I'm I'm a tangible person. I like to feel it um, and all of that and really flip through the pages. I'm regretting that now because I'm currently reading Sarah J. Moss, A Court of Silver Flames, which is 750 pages hardcover and my arms are tired, (laughs) but I really do typically enjoy holding the book. Um, physically. I do have a Kindle. I do have a Libro FM account. So I do listen to audiobooks quite a bit. Um, you know, when we're walking or, you know, if I'm doing things around the house, you know, stuff like that. But I, I prefer to actually sit down with a physical copy of the book. Well, when you when you do convert to audiobook, I mean, just think about 794 pages in, in, in an audiobook. You know, it would be weeks also. Um, you know, it's it's also, that sounds like about, I don't know, 28 hours or not sure. But, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me. And I'm also grateful that there are authors that are still writing at length, writing seriously. Yes. Uh, in in that in that volume, I I'm glad that they're not fearful and put off by the idea of you've got to not take up too much space. Um, so I think that's I, I absolutely agree with that. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's really cool. It's almost um, it's almost a throwback. But look, you know when you when you get infected by the soundbite, when you're bit by the soundbite. You know the reader. The reader's experience suffers sometimes. You're just really not excavating enough, and um, I think it's, it sounds wonderful. I, you know, there's a recommendation right there. I hope we. <laughs> that would be so interesting to pick it up. Um, we said before the break that there is such a thing as acting lo- locally and globally. That was certainly one of my local telephone alerts. Um, but anyway, excuse that. Um, you serve on the board of your local library, and I, I thought that that was just something very telling. I wondered if you could speak to us about the role of the community, the role of the community library, and what an author can expect to be doing as part of their uh, publicity campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I think libraries are so important. Um, so a tip that I, I give a lot of authors that I, I think a lot of people don't really know about um, is the library request form. So you can always go online to your local library or your library network and request copies of books. So if you have a friend who is, you know, has a has a book coming out that you want to support um, and it's available for order, then the library can order it in and you automatically, at least at my library, become the first hold. So I do that quite often where I request books and then I get to um, receive them through the library. And then, of course, you know, you can champion that book for other people in your community. So I think that's a really great way for authors looking to, um, you know, get their book out there is looking at the local library network and requesting their books to, to be in the library, um, you know, locally and things like that, I think it's really important. But I, I just think libraries are essential. And I know when I was in college um, getting my master's, there was somebody who said something like, libraries aren't in use anymore. That's not something, you know, people don't go to libraries anymore. And I was like, no, people in your demographic don't necessarily go to libraries anymore, but libraries as a whole 
um, are, are extremely valuable and extremely important to the community um, and are a great way to have access to things that maybe you wouldn't have access to. Um, books are, are expensive for those of us who are reading, you know, 200 a year. So um, it's a great way to still be educated and to still be entertained while also, you know, contributing to your community's landscape and culture, um, you know, through utilizing a, a resource that is within the community and for the community. So your library is called the Wright Memorial Public Library. I'll just read here. Its mission and vision is to enrich minds and transform lives, to provide diverse opportunities for lifelong learning, personal growth, education, and enjoyment in the heart of Oakwood. You know, and it it goes on with empathy, community, curiosity, and trust. I mean, these are the things that many of us value and don't connect them to the library. The library, in the meantime, just speaking as an author, you know, has afforded many opportunities, both in my very local library and the further out Tampa Bay area where I live, to have um, book fairs and to go and to listen to other um, publishers, to listen to other authors, to sit there with your books, you know, communicate with the public. I, I really applaud you that you're involved with the library and that you champion the role of libraries. I think that there's, you know, it's, it's a little, it's an underserved tool um, that can be very, very helpful to authors. Uh, I wonder also about the role of what we're doing now, at least on air interviews. How big of a component is that for an author when they're, you know, looking down the road at a publicity campaign, how does that shape a campaign in comparison to, say, editorial or written interview? Yeah, I think it adds to the level of personability that someone can have. And I think, you know, even for introverted authors, you know, if you write a book, especially fiction, a memoir might be a little bit different. But even with a memoir, you only have, you know, so many words and so many pages that you've written that are out there. So for you to be able to have this open forum where you can expand upon your ideas or talk about what inspired you or, you know, kind of go off on the things that maybe aren't in the book, I think that really builds your brand. Um, so, so I think no audience is too big or too small. It's just a great way to really, you know, get yourself comfortable with talking about the book and the inspirations and the things that got you to where you are today. So I think that it's completely essential. I always recommend podcast and radio to any author because I do think it's such a great medium for getting your message out there and for, again, building that brand. Do you think that we're going to return to the in-person author event, Um, book signings, um, book fairs, literary fairs, um, this kind of thing? Or, you know, what's the shape coming? What do you see coming into the horizon? Yeah. Oh, I I hope we are getting back there. And I do think that we are in a lot of ways. I think the virtual event fatigue is, is real. And I think that we are seeing an uptick, you know, as the vaccine, um, you know, has been widely distributed. And, you know, even I think there's, you know, I have a niece who's six months old and I think she's even going to be able to be vaccinated soon. So I think everybody is, you know, raring to go, getting ready for, um, you know, being back in person. And I I do see that being, you know, a great opportunity for the future, um, getting back to that. Um, I will say being in Dayton, Ohio, and, you know, it's not completely a book desert, but I don't have a good local indie bookstore and I don't, um, you know, always get authors coming here. I typically would have to go to Cincinnati or Columbus to see an author event. I have loved getting the virtual event because I think it has exposed me to a lot of authors that I wouldn't have otherwise gotten to see speak. Um, so I do think that there's a lot of value in the virtual because there are a lot of us who just unfortunately, um, you know, can't always get to the, the in-person event. So I do think there's a value to it. Um, but what I'm hoping is that there will be some sort of hybrid where, you know, um, you know, some of these authors who do have those in-person events, that there's also a virtual op- option for someone like me who may not be able to attend in person, um, you know, but, but still wants to be part of the audience. So I'm hoping that that is where the future is headed is some sort of hybrid, because I do think that there are benefits to both, of course. I personally, as extroverted as I am, would prefer a, an in-person event over a virtual one any day. But I do, again, you know, if I can't make it um, due to, you know, location or, or what, what have you, I think that it's a great opportunity to be able to tune in virtually. 
Yep. I like the ones we've had. I like the ones at Book Passage in San Francisco, which I never would have been able to attend. I'm not going to hop on a plane. Um, and, you know, and, and I've heard some wonderful authors, I think even maybe more exposure than we would have had prior to the pandemic. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, the word hybrid, it keeps coming up. And, you and I share an odd commonality in reading about you, your educational background. You were a graduate of the honors program at uh, your university and uh, the University of Dayton. And I want to talk a little bit about university honors programs, even though it's a little off the track, <laughs> but what is it about the layering? So honors programs, as I understood it, you know, in mine, um, at Villanova, you know, it was simultaneously you were listening to English professors, economic professors, maybe social sciences, um, all in the same room talking about a specific period of time that overlayered the influences that might uh, be affecting us. Is that similar to your experience as an honors program graduate? Yeah. So for our honors program, it was more additional. Um, so, so rather than it being specific to like my English program, it was a university um, program. So it was the top 7% of the university and we were from all different majors. Um, so we had to, uh, you know, complete what they called honors experiences where, um, you know, we had to, we had to have a blog. We had to talk about the things that we were doing, you know, and we had to get approved what the experience was. So for me, um, I did tutoring at inner city schools in Cincinnati. That was one of my experiences, which also then, you know, was part of my scholarship to the university. I had a Cincinnati scholarship that you had to do community service for. So it was, you know, a piece of that. And it was also one of my honors experiences. I also was part of the Women in Leadership and Learning program, which was an honors experience. Um, I also, I did student government, things like that. So, so it, it added this layer of involvement on the university level and in your community that you kind of, you know, not were forced into participating in, but sort of, but you could choose what you wanted to do within that. And so that was really fun for me is because it was things that I was curious about that I in turn got to experience, um, you know, through the university and keep a blog about and talk about. And they had leadership seminars where it was, you know, a week, um, a week long, you know, leadership program that we attended um, and there were different, you know, incentives for honor students and things. Um, I got my first pick in, in classes and housing, and there was a specific honors English class that was for honor students because English was a required course, you know, freshman and sophomore year. They did have honors level English, and I also took an honors math class. Um, but the math course was actually really fun. It was, it was called Games and Puzzles. And it was all about the probability of winning specific games. So like Euchre or card games, um, you know, what is probability um, of, of you winning based on the hand that you were dealt? And in a lot of ways, um, you know, my, my thesis in that class was what is the, what is the best hand that you could be dealt um, to have the probability of winning? So, so was that two jacks, you know, what, what have you, you know? Um, so I, I remember that being really fun and really creative. And I think that the honors classes for me felt a lot easier and it wasn't necessarily that they were, but I think they were just so creative in, in your mind view. And when you think about things, even with the math games and puzzles and probability, um, you know, it's a metaphor, right? For life, what hand were you dealt and what's your probability of, of being successful? And how does it translate to creating a following of 10,000 that you have <laughs> on your blog? And how does it translate into creating book campaigns? We have a couple minutes left to the break, but do you feel that this level of engagement has helped you professionally? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, my time at the University of Cincinnati was paramount to who I grew into, but I also think, you know, I ended up going on and getting my master's at the University of Dayton. And that's when I started my blog. And I think that was when I really took off. And I think certainly I've learned things um, from my English degree and things like that. But being in academia and taking PR courses while I was starting my blog was really great. Um, and getting to really apply the things I was learning in class to what I, you know, was doing on the side. Um, it was definitely a passion project that I never thought would go anywhere. It was just a way for me to talk about the books I was reading and, um, you know, just, I, I mean, for me, it was really just a fun thing. I never had like a follower count in mind. I never had 
an end goal in mind. Um, it was really just fun. I thought living in Dayton, Ohio, I would never have the chance to work in books because I have no, um, you know, I have no desire to move to New York City. Um, and I thought that that would be something I had to do. But um, I ended up, you know, here in in a beautiful way. And I'm so glad to be where I'm at. Um, I'm very grateful for Books Forward for helping me get there. I think what we're going to try to understand when we come back from the break is, you know, this used to be, you know, it's hard to imagine your level of passion and engagement and enthusiasm being contained in a traditional publishing house. But in fact, publicity campaigns used to be handled in-house. A lot of writers don't understand that anymore, that even if they sign with a traditional publishing house who acquires their book, A, they're not going to get an advance like that used to be um, a part of the financial equation. It hardly is any longer. And B, there is a need then to step out to interview and engage a books publicity company. And this firm is going to be the, the force that takes your book, translates it to the public, and ensures that it's being publicized through the proper channels for the maximum promotional value. In other words, the most likelihood of a winning hand. So we're going to take a commercial break here ourselves. But when we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Elise Wagner and how you can access uh, a publicity agent for the benefit of your writing. Don't go away. We'll be right back on Dropping In. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award-winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit booksforward.com or send us an email at info at booksforward.com. A JKS Communications Company. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to diane at dianedewey.com. That's diane at dianedewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Elise Wagner of Books Forward, and we're talking about assembling a team. If you're a writer, you have spent a fair amount of time alone looking at your manuscript. You've gotten maybe an editor or two to work with you to polish this manuscript into a submittable form. You're looking now for an agent, uh, and the agent is looking for a publishing company. Um, That may evolve into a traditional type of publishing company, house like Random House, Penguin Books, um, you know, the, the list is dwindling uh, as these companies uh, merge and consume one another. Then there is, as, as Elise opened our segment with the comment, we're looking at publicity campaigns for 2023. So if you've got a manuscript in your hot little hands and you are now um, excited uh, about being engaged with an agent or even a publishing house. Who is the person in the mechanical um, process here, Elise, who is likely to be contacting you at Books Forward at the publicity company? Would that be an author, yeah. an agent, a publishing house, all of the above? How does it work? Yeah, so we get queries from a lot of different um, individuals. So definitely a lot of authors, whether they're indie published and they're looking, you know, to hire somebody to do their publicity because they don't have in-house. There's a lot of people who are looking um, traditionally to hire us 
to assist with, you know, the in-house team, which we're more than happy to do. Um, I've met with a lot of in-house PR teams and, you know, we really complement their efforts and, you know, just offer more exposure and more to lean on. Um, so I think that can be really beneficial for authors who are traditionally published. Um, but we also have, you know, small presses and things like that that reach out to us, as well as larger imprints that maybe, you know, need a helping hand with their publicity and, um, you know, have some additional titles that they're looking to to put out there and they, they want to partner in the process. So it's really a whole gambit. I feel like I, I get to work with a lot of different people at a lot of different levels in the industry. And it's really fun. I mean, to see just all of the different sides and all of the different people who work together to make the, the one book come to fruition. And what about those authors that choose to self-publish? Is that part of the lexicon or is this more a hybrid or traditional model? Yeah, I definitely think self-publish, you know, is is something that we definitely see a lot of. And for those individuals, you know, a lot of it is, you you know, you've worked so hard on this book and you want to see it get out there and you don't necessarily have that support from, you know, an in-house team. And so you're looking for someone to really make a dent and get the book out there. Um, So so we definitely get a lot of indie authors, um, a lot of self-published authors, things like that. Um, And it's very important for those authors to know that we're here for them and, we're very used to working with debut self-published authors who maybe are new to the industry. We're happy to walk them through it because it's a lot to navigate. And I think that that is a way in which, you know, our company really stands out is just that, um, you know, relationship that we have with our authors. We want them to feel comfortable. We want them to ask as many questions as they want because this is their baby and it's going out into the world and it's a scary thing. So we want to be as supportive as possible through that process an enormous comfort uh, to have a partner and ally in the publishing world for sure. Books Forward has been um, an extremely good close companion for me and also for the authors that I've recommended. There is also a a sister company, Books Fluent, which is a hybrid publisher that you do work with should an author decide to go uh, as a, into a hybrid, which means that they can expect to be contributing to some of the costs of publishing, but not necessarily all of them, and certainly not the whole of the involvement in distribution and things that we really don't know how to do. Um, I wanted to pass on to our listeners now, since you've been so open and accessible, and I think such a willing ally to people at different stages, um, how to best reach out to you. Um, there is the booksforward.com website, Elise, and how do you prefer and what are the various methods that someone could reach you of talking over these possibilities? <laughs> Absolutely. So we do have a contact form on our website. Um, it's booksforward.com slash contact. And that, there's a contact form there. And I know it sounds formal, but it's not. It's really just for us to be able to look at, um, you know, where the book is in the process, who the publisher is, the perspective pub date, all of that. Um, so that's a great way to reach out to us and those come to me. So you can absolutely reach out there. Um, if you just have any, like, questions or things like that, feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, my email is Elise, E-L-Y-S-S-E at booksforward.com. So I'm always happy um, to chat there. And of course, if you want to follow along with my book recommendations on Instagram at, at Compulsive Readers Blog, um, that's a great way to connect as well. If you just are looking to stay in contact, maybe you're you know thinking, I might have a manuscript down the road. I'm not sure if I'm ready. I mean, I, I have people reaching out to me all the time, whether it's personal, professional, I'm happy to chat. I'm wondering, too, there are a lot of, you know, with all these new uh, hybrid formats of of publishing and not to mention formats that, you know, you were were finding books in, podcasts, ebooks, audio, um, that, you know, individuals start to feel, might start to feel like it, it could be a DIY project, like I could do this publicity thing myself. Well... I'd like to disabuse people of that notion, and I'd like you as a professional, Elise Wagner, to just sort of sketch out, like, just what is the value of having a publicity company? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know, you know, um, I can't speak to other firms, but I know that with Books Forward, you know, we've been in the industry for over 20 years, and I think um, there's, I mean, I'm sure a lot of 
firms have, you know, really, um, you know, great contacts in the media field um, that you wouldn't even think exist. I mean, I know I personally see so many different outlets, whether it's a magazine or a newspaper and things that I just, I couldn't know all of those things on my own, but the company as a whole, um, you know, has built those relationships over 20 years. So it's a plethora of relationships and network and knowledge and all of that. Um, that we can reach out to to really hone in on, you know, who's the best fit to publicize your book. Um, so I think that those relationships and that networking is essential, as well as the background and the skill set. So I know that our team is made up of journalists who, you know, have worked on the other side of the desk and received, you know, hundreds of pitches a day. So they know what um, a journalist is looking for and why should they cover this book. Um, so that's, you know, a really interesting perspective that we have um, that can really be valuable to an author who is looking to get their name out there and maybe doesn't know where to start. They don't know who would be the best audience. So, you know, we'll read your book. We'll help you determine who that target audience is. We'll give you our professional guidance. Um, you know, we'll have that network in place. We'll do that level of research to make sure that we're not missing anyone um, and really just taking the onus off of you to to have those different things, you know, we'll send you opportunities. Um, you know, if it's a guest article or a podcast interview, we won't schedule it on your behalf um, because we don't want to just say, oh yeah, you know, that author is free that day, but we'll come to you with it and you'll be able to give us the day that you're available and we'll schedule it and coordinate it and do all of that, you know, all of that work there. So, so it's less for you as the author to do. I always tell authors, you've done the hardest part. You've written a book. I can't do that. <laughs> I haven't done that. Um, and so I know that that's the hardest part. You've already put in so much. Let us be, um, you know, a partner with you. Let us, you know, take this off of your plate and, and really utilize our network and utilize our skill set to, to help your book get to the next place. It's such a cool public service announcement, actually, because, you know, there are, so, there are so many writers out there. There are so many people that are turning to writing uh, during the pandemic. There are so many people who have said, hmm, I'd really like to get my story out. And, you know, now's the time. It's now or never. And I think that, the, you know, the, the tragedy or the, you know, really sad part would be if you did get that far and then were, you know, confronted with the anonymity, the rejection letters, the no callbacks, the emails that go out unanswered. That is pure frustration after you've gone to all of this length to get out the novel that you've always been dreaming of. Um, you know, the sci-fi fiction, the memoir, whatever it might be, and then to, you know, realize, you know, the, the cascade of, you know, anonymity and rejection is, is high unless you're equipped with a partner who's got the connections and the access to these journals, to these media outlets. Um, and you, you know, are, you yourself are an influencer, who, who shapes the di direction um, on these campaigns. And I, I wondered, we have only a couple of minutes till our closing, but what does a, you know, it, it must be governed always by the book, Elise, but what, what does an ideal campaign look like? Is it a mix of different kinds of media? Um, you know, I certainly would think that anyone would be lucky to come on Voice America and all of their various channels have so many interesting interviewers and outlets. Um, but what does it look like when you say, hmm, we've done a really good job. This is like the ideal campaign. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, the ideal campaign would have a mix of, you know, the publicity piece. I think that would be the the majority of it, right? But I do think supplementing with, you know, some advertising, whether that's a reader newsletter ad that reaches targeted readers and, you know, we do a, we'll do a cost adjustment on the book to really, you know, boost it in rankings for that week, things like that. Um, doing a paid ad on social media, those are great opportunities to supplement the publicity work. So I do think that um, there's an importance there, but certainly the bread and butter is the publicity piece. It is that organic readership that you are building by having someone who can vouch for you and who can, you know, write up a pitch that really entices, um, you know, media. And that media looks like a lot of different things. It might look like an influencer like me. It might look like a blogger, um, whether that person has their own website or maybe they're on social media or they're on TikTok. It looks like magazines. It looks like newspaper. Um, it looks like online popular media. It looks like radio and podcasts. It's really a plethora 
um, in a very diverse group of different things that we look at. And it's a very holistic approach because you want, um, you want to appear to, to people who learn in different mediums. Um, so your target audience exists in a lot of places. I can tell you I don't have um, every form of social media known to me, and I, I very much focus on Instagram. And I'm starting to play around with TikTok, but I wouldn't call it my... Um, you know, my, my, my focus. And so, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're finding people who are in different places. And some people may not have social media at all, or they're not super active on there. And maybe they heard you on a podcast, um, or they, you know, were subscribing to, you know, a, a particular magazine and, and the book was featured in the magazine. You just want to find your target audience in a bunch of different places. And so we really hone in strategically on a lot of different avenues because we know that everybody learns and subscribes and reads differently. Absolutely. And reading isn't going away. Readership is increasing. That's the good news. Um, the reading, the act of reading seems to center us in these times when, you know, if we don't focus on something and concentrate on something, you know, we're so easily distracted and pulled away, even emotionally, why not get lost in a book? <laughs> and, and why not? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yay. And, and, and then if you've written one or in your, you're in the process of re- writing one, you want it to become right catnip for all of the media outlets. <laughs> I just thank you so much, Elise Wagner, for being with us on Dropping In today. Of course, it was such an honor, and I I love talking about all of the bookish things, so thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight, and um, I hope that listeners will take this to heart. We have gone over the gory details of uh, money and budgets and things like that in other uh, episodes, but you can also reach out to Elise with your needs and um, your budget ideas and see if this can be a helpful partner on your journey towards publishing. So thank you, Elise Wagner. Thanks to our engineers, Matt Meidner and Aaron Keller, to Ryan Treasure, to our executive producer, and station manager, Robert Ciolino, and most of all, to you, our listeners. Remember to stay safe and try to get your point across. Till next week, thank you for dropping in. Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then. 